Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. in front of 15 million people. Uh, okay. <laughs> out there, Joseph, and make I'm gonna it make happen. A, I'm gonna make a deal with you really quick. Yes. If I get the golden buzzer, you gotta come out there and pick me up. Oh, I got it. Listen, right. I promise you that. All right, sweet. For real. Right. I, I will throw you across the stadium. <laughs> go ahead. Go, go, go. Uh, my name's Joseph Allen. Tell us about yourself. Uh, I go to school out in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Do they also go to school in Phoenix, I think Arizona? they go to my same school. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I feel like they're like, yo, we're like, were you nervous? You know, before heading up there, but honestly speaking, man, I think I was just excited because a lot of people don't know it took like five years to get on there. So I think in the full video, you said you were really nervous. Yeah. So the fact that you're telling me that you're not nervous <laughs> now shows that that was just for show, just no, for appearances. No, I think I just didn't have enough time to like really like digest how I was feeling because um, I think if I was nervous, I wouldn't have like told Terry like, hey, if I go out there and get the golden buzzer, like come out there and pick me up. Like that was true signs of like someone who was excited to see like if they could create a moment that they've always envisioned, you know? So uh, I, think, I think nerves regardless uh, come with it, but I think it's the same as like, if you're gonna ask a woman to marry you, right? Like you may know she's gonna say yes, but you're, I think you're more excited for the moment than you are nervous in the right situations, you know? You said that took five years to yeah. set up? Yeah. So how does that process even start? Like, was it just like an idea in your head and it kind of like, you, obviously you worked your ass off to get there. Yeah. But like, that was your idea to go on that show for five years or? Yeah. So they do like what's called open call auditions yeah. where you got to show up in like a random town that they show up to and uh, everyone gets their chance in front of the first level of producers to try and see if they can make an impression. And uh, pretty much every year I showed up, they were just like, Nah, kid, like, we're okay, you know? And uh, I think I really just took it personal. I was just like, no, like, I really think if I go on, like, I could do what I think I could do. So I just kept showing up. And then year five, that's when they were finally like, okay, you got something that I think the world would like. So. Persistent is key. Exactly. And telling Terry Crews that right before you go on, that's probably, you know, kind of like know. a kick in the ass to you. Be like, all right, I have to do this now. Yeah, exactly. And I think... Uh, I think it's the same thing as like Michael Jordan, like when he would be on the basketball court, like I don't think the trash talk was for the other players. I think the trash talk was more, if I tell you I'm about to smoke you, you know, it, I got to deliver now. So I think it was more allowing myself to put more pressure on myself to make it happen. You know? did, did you see that Michael Jordan documentary? I did, The Last Dance. There was, yes, there was a few times where like he'd make up stories in his head about people. Exactly. And piss himself off. Exactly. I don't know if that's a toxic thing or like, it obviously worked out for him, but I, yeah. I don't think that's like the best method to go. Like, you know, be, you know, be driven by your passion. Don't yeah. be driven by like fake stories that you create in your head. And then you tell the press those fake stories, yeah. make that guy look to be some sort of jerk. <laughs> he really isn't. Yeah, nothing I, wrong. I think, I think I can relate to some extent because 
a lot of people that are trying to like make stuff happen at a really high level, like sometimes you have to like a, put a certain amount of pressure on yourself to get yourself to do it. Like let's say let's say you drop a five dollar bill into a, a urinal in a bathroom, right? It's like you're most likely not going to stick your hands in that urinal to grab the five dollar bill, especially if there's other people around. You don't but, know how broke I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but if you were to drop a hundred dollar bill in there, there's more chance you know you're going to do what seems like it's hard to do. You know, so I think it's just. Asking yourself, like, what do I have to drop into the urinal to get my hands to get dirty? You know what I mean? How many times did you kind of, like, feel like that, like, you put yourself on the line, failed? Like you said, it took five years just to get to that moment. Yeah. And I'm sure there's been a ton of moments since then that you yeah. kind of, you know, had to, like, you know, get your stuff together and be like, all right, this we got to roll with the punches here. Yeah, yeah. Like, have, have there been any, like, rough patches ever since then when it comes to, you know, booking gigs, booking tours, anything like that? Like, after the show? Mm-hmm. Um, I think the rough patches after the show came from, like, adjusting to, like, the new level of popularity. Yeah. You know, because there's, like, there's moments where I might be making, like, a tough decision, like, in a Walmart on whether I'm going to get Fruity Pebbles or Cocoa Puffs, you know, and I'm just locked in, just making that yeah. basic the big decision. decisions. Exactly, exactly. And uh, there might be someone who comes over, and I mean, I would feel as though I'm getting tackled because I'm freshly, you know, introduced to the world. So, like, I was a, I was a popular topic for a few weeks where it was like at any moment people could approach me but a lot of them approach differently so like I said I could be choosing which cereal to get and someone could come over and just hug me out of the blue but as a human being if someone's wrapping their arms around me I'm thinking like oh man like I'm getting attacked right now not realizing like oh this person right here is a fan and like they were super excited to see me they didn't think they were going to see me in this Walmart and that was just their basic reaction you know what i mean so so far so good when it comes to being famous uh, you seem like a very modest guy you agreed to come here today yeah yeah but at the same time like <laughs> there's things like that that you enjoy like it's great to be recognized and acknowledged for all the hard work that you yeah. put in but on the other hand it kind of has to be exhausting sometimes like do you prefer it the way it is now or do you prefer it the way it was when you were at GC with us um I think GCU actually prepared me a lot for, um, you know, just getting used to knowing, like, people can know who you are, but, like, not, like, believing your own hype. You know what I mean? Because at GCU, we're all students. We're all, like, taking pretty much the same classes, university success, all that other stuff, you know? So um, I think it made it where um, I never really separated myself from, like, other people like some people you know they they have this big moment and then mentally they're just like i'm here everyone else is here down here you know and it's like uh, i think that's where it becomes very stressful when you don't realize like you're a human you know you put your pants on one leg at a time just like everyone else so um i think transitioning into like the whole like people recognizing me and stuff i don't think i allowed it to be too stressful and i mean there were even situations like where people would show up at my house or, you know, like things that, you know, were pretty scary at times. But I think uh, just realizing, like, th these are the things that come with it, you know, and you can't allow it, I guess, to drive you crazy. There was a point where, like, mentally, like, I was like, dude, this is a lot. But I think, I think my preparation before getting the increase in popularity really paid off with not letting me, like, really like lose it you know what's like it. the most nightmarish thing that's happened to you with a fan jeez man uh, um 2 30 in the morning i knock on the door 
is someone who traveled, you know, multiple states to come see me. Um, and yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, let's just say, you know, they were, they were really excited. I was, you know, unaware of like the intensity of the situation. And I think that's the part that kind of just had me like questioning, like, man, like, can I handle this? Cause it's like, I don't know. I didn't have any idea why this person was at my house at this time of night. I mean, over time, like I've, I've got things cleared up with this individual and, and we're on good terms now. Um, but I guess like moments like that, it just makes it where you have to really like be able to, you know, handle what comes with it, you know? Because you, you had a strong following at GCU alone, I feel like. Yeah. And then the golden buzzer probably changed everything beyond that point. But you yeah. were pretty well recognized at GCU before that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, that's what I mean when I say it helped prepare me. Like, at GCU, there were times, like, I had I had roughly around or a little over 10,000 followers before going on the show, and they were, like, mostly GCU students, just from, like, yeah. you know, what we had going on there. And... Uh, there were moments where, like, I would go on my Instagram story and I'll be like, "Hey, hide and go seek in the dark tonight. Like, meet me out, meet me outside Chick Fil A at like this time." But like, don't let public safety know, you know. And like, sometimes there'll be like 80 students who would show up and like we would have a good time. So I think I got used to knowing, like, okay, like I see what it feels like for people to recognize me, but I also know like these people who show up, like we're all the same pretty much. Like I can't sit there and be like all right, now that y'all showed up, like, listen to what I say. Like, no, like, they showed up because I made an offer for a fun time. I have to deliver on that. But on top of that, like, some of these people have class tomorrow morning. So I have to take that into account. Like, still seeing them as humans. You know what I mean? And I think that's what really helped out to where when I got the increase in popularity, if people approached me, like, I didn't just sit there and be like, yeah, I'm Joseph Allen. Like, you know, like, instead it's like, okay, this person's approaching me. But realize, like, they might have work that they were on their way to, but they took the time to let me know, like, that they're affected by how I carry myself. Let me take the time to make sure, you know, that this moment is mutual, that I'm actually getting to know them, you know, things like that. So um, I think I think GCU really helped me prepare, man, just in terms of knowing, like, that the people who approach me don't have to take the time to, and the fact that they do, like, you know. It makes it easy for me to take the time as well. It's awesome that you have that perspective. Yeah. There was never once a moment in your head, like maybe not in public, yeah. thankfully, but like in your head, like you're like waiting in line for something, shit doesn't go your way, and you're thinking like, man, I'm Joseph Allen. Like, I've done <laughs> nah, all of this. Nah, man. Nah, so, so that's what I mean, man. Like, like all the workers at like the food spots on campus, Chick-fil-A, Panda, all this other stuff, like everyone's pretty much students there. So I think it's psychologically like built my thought process a certain way where it's like um i i might know like the person who's behind the chick-fil-a line uh or who's taking my order approached me on campus and was like yo that song was super fire but i didn't like i wouldn't approach and be like hey well are you gonna hook my meal up for free you know what i mean like it just made it where i appreciated the the way i was viewed but also understood like i'm a student just like everyone else you know what i mean so I feel like that helped out a lot. Which you were. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think there was one song, and I hope this is yours because I'm going to blurt out what I thought was the lyric, but like you yeah. were saying that you replaced um, 
um, shaving cream with peanut butter yeah, or something yeah, yeah. in one of your songs. <laughs> yeah. that, that was always the lyric that stuck with me. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's actually when I first started like diving into the whole music thing. And uh, that was a song I made called College Student Budget. And yes. uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, man, that's that's another thing is like just not taking it super serious. Like even when I was on the show, like my song, yeah, it had like a serious message in it, but I'm still joking around and dropping bars like bullshit, cargo and like all this other stuff that's like kind of just like uh, what's the word I'm looking for where it's like um, dude hitting on a girl, but it's like not aggressive. It's. Classy? Nah, <laughs> nah, man. It's like, it's like, um, uh, it's it's like a synonym of like casual. But like, just keeping my music like like the word I'm looking for, the cool. synonym of casual. Yeah, yeah, cool. You know what I mean? Like, just trying to keep it nonchalant. I think is is the there word I'm go. looking for. Yeah, yeah. Just keep it. You Glad know, you keep found it. it. I wasn't gonna find it. <laughs> That's funny. That I mean, that is like the one lyric that always like I yeah. remembered back. I'm like, oh, Joseph Allen. And then I got, I'd see on like the sidewalk. I'm like, there he is. Yeah. There's <laughs> the peanut butter guy. <laughs> what was that like for you, man? Uh, what just. Yeah, my like, experience of on the outside, like looking yeah. into your, like what? Yeah, because I, I, I just want to make sure I didn't come off as like some guy. You were the like, worst. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's Joseph Allen. <laughs> Thinks he's the bee's knees. Yeah. No, I, I think a lot of people were happy for because again, like it's hard to find a following in anything. Yeah. Like, I'm trying to find a following in this. Yeah. Still, yeah. hopefully the studio helps. Yeah. But you know, like the fact that you had ten thousand followers of just students that followed you, and you yeah. were able to again bring that community together on campus yeah and obviously GCU recognized that because you yeah. were in again like commercials they did sponsors yeah. and everything like there was a lot involved in it like when did GCU kind of pick up on what you were doing yeah nah so that was all a, that was all a product and fruit of self-belief so yeah. <laughs> I approached uh like Brian Mueller and everyone and I was just like hey look like I really think like I can make something out of myself and like the whole music space and everything and this is before I even stepped on stage at America's Got Talent. I was I asked them to take a take like a risk and take a chance with me. And I was like, look, like I'm gonna get to go on America's Got Talent in like a month's time. When I go on there, it's gonna be huge. I'm gonna try and make it as huge as possible. So I was like, you guys might wanna like see if we could put like a commercial together and stuff like that right now. Cause I was like, after I go and audition, if it goes the way I think it's gonna go, they're not gonna let us have this opportunity later. And my thought process, it was, it was a little diabolical. So, so my thought was, I knew every summer when I'm like with my family on like summer vacations, no matter where we're at, we can even like go to like Mexico or something like that. GCU commercials are there. So my thought was simple. If I get a GCU re commercial recorded and then I go on the show America's Got Talent, I was like, GCU is going to start pushing this commercial out, but they're going to push it out from California to Florida and everything in between. They're going to push it out everywhere. And I was like, my face will then like be recognizable like while I'm on the show because I was gunning for the golden buzzer. Yeah. I was gunning for it. And I was like, if I get it, there's like a period between when you're not on the show. And I was like, GCU will like keep my face relevant, you know? So I had that whole conversation with them and they, they trusted me. They were like, all right, cool. Like, let's do it. And um, yeah, that was all like, you know, free of charge. Like GCU, as a student, you're not allowed to like get paid for like endorsements or anything like that. That's why the basketball players, you know, they're not even allowed. So, um, yeah, it was really just a mutual like, hey, look, like this is what we got going on. What do you think? And Brian Mueller and everyone, they gave it the go ahead. They were like, all right, let's do it. And <laughs> it worked. <laughs> 
So first of all, how did you get Brian Mueller to actually sit down and talk with you? I feel like a lot of students try and like yeah. carve out like 10 minutes with the guy. I talked to him a few weeks ago. We had a meeting yeah. that was set up by one of our professors who was kind enough to set up a meeting with all of us. And it's like we weren't even having the same conversation almost. What do you mean? Like we were given not to, you know, be brash about the guy. Like did yeah. a lot, you know, go Lopes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but... Basically, we were given our introductions of who we were, what we graduated with, you know, this is yeah. what we're doing right now, this is what we want to bring to the table at GCU, because the meeting was supposed to be about, you know, content creation for campus, and right. kind of, you know, to promote the overall Christianity and the faith yeah. aspect on campus, yeah. and he was just like, that's great, guys, and then he went into the whole spiel of how we had zero positive COVID cases in the spring, it was like, to uh, like a totally yeah, different yeah. conversation, you yeah, know, it's yeah. like, I, like, I kind of knew that was going to be it going in, but like, yeah. How did he like know that you had a strong following on campus? Or obviously, when you laid it out for him, he's like, "Yeah, yeah this is great business." Yeah. And I don't think it's by uh, diabolical what you did. I think that's just great marketing on your yeah. end. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you you were able to draw it up and you know prepare it in your head. But yeah, how what was his mindset? You know, going into it when he actually like got? Did you email him? Did you run into nah, him? Nah, I just kept going up to the office. I really? Just, yeah, I was just like barging through. I had the security guy. Uh, what was his name? I forget his name, um, but I made friends with the security guy. So then whenever I would walk in, I'd say, hey, what's going on? You know, and I would smooth, just, yeah. just walk right past him. And uh, I would pretty much just go to the top, and I would tell him, like, hey, yeah, like, uh, I'm here to talk with Brian Mueller. And then I would pretty much just, like, duck all their questions. Like, did you already get it set up? Uh, yeah, you know, he told me to meet him up here uh, around around this time right now, you know. And they're like, well, we don't know if he's in the office. Oh, well, he told me he was going to be in the office right now. Um, yeah, should, should we check? You know, and I was like just smooth getting my way closer and closer. And then once I got with him, I was like, look, here's the plan. Here's the deal. Boom. And luckily, you know, he, he had the time to listen. And, yeah, I think everything just lined up perfectly for that. Honestly. Wow. Yeah. Do you have any morals, Joseph? <laughs> that was like the same way for us, though. We went in and we're like, yeah, we have a meeting. They're like, all right, go ahead, fourth yeah. floor. I'm like, okay, yeah. that easy. I could have done this four years ago. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh my God. And I think, I think honestly, like it was just, it was my self-belief that was like getting me there because uh, I really was having this feeling where it's like you're either going to believe me or you're going to see it because I was – it was my senior year. Like I said, I've been trying for five years. And I was supposed to go to GCU for mechanical engineering, but last minute changed my major to film production because I was like, if yeah. I get on TV, you know, like I got to know how this stuff works. Yep. And I was about to graduate. My mom's like, what are you going to do with film production? I was like, I don't know, you know. And uh, I didn't have any things set up for after I graduated. So I didn't have any applications for apartments. I didn't have any uh, jobs, any um, what's the, what's the word? Round two. Uh, the word for, um, when people are internships, I didn't have any internships set up, anything. And, um, it was really like a, a make or break moment. So I think it was just like the movie, the pursuit of happiness where mm -hmm. it's like, I gotta make this work. So yeah, I don't think I was really going to let anybody or anything like stop me from like trying to pull off. What was, was that doing. freshman year that you Decided to change that quick, or was it later on? It was it was a week before my freshman year started. Oh, wow, I changed okay. I changed so my major. Quick. Yeah, I yeah. changed my major just like that. My mom almost didn't let me go to school. 
She was like, film production, like, what are you going to do with that? And I was just like, I'm, do a lot with it. Yeah. I think a lot of kids would benefit for, for very least a minor in film production. That's right. what I ended up doing. Like my junior year, I'm like, I wish I majored in film. And I yeah. talked to my counselor about it. She's like, you're probably gonna have to be here for like another three years if you did that. Like, what yeah. if you just take a minor, take some of the courses, right, and yeah. I end up doing that. But like anybody, whether you want to be in marketing, business, and like if you learn video skills and content creation, everybody's a content creator. You're a content creator. Right. Just you know, like you're a performer, like yeah. you're an artist, you're a musician. Yeah. But at the same time, like, how are you gonna get your stuff out there if you're not a content creator? Exactly. Exactly. Because yeah, YouTube is like one of the main things that. Me and my boy Parker, who actually dropped me off here, that's one of the main things we work on. Like, we, we right now we have one YouTube channel with, like, 156,000 subscribers. And even the hustle there, dude, it's, like, content creation is huge right now. Mm -hmm. It's, like, if not one of the biggest things for marketing. So, yeah, I think, I think taking film is definitely paying off in terms of the mindset of, like, understanding what all goes into, like, a full production. How's that going for you now when it comes to like social media pages and creating videos to promote all your stuff? Like, do you have a team with you or are you doing a lot of it on your own? Yeah, nah, it's all solo dolo. We even turned down wow. like three record label offers just trying to keep everything independent, you know? And uh, right now, this last month, we've kind of taken a step back from like pushing out any content and stuff. We've been like re um, reimagining like our, our direction we're trying to go in because as J. Cole says, you know, the good news is you came a long way. The bad news is you went the wrong way. You know, and it's like that's the last thing we want. It's like drive hard, and then we find out later on, like, dude, we should have went in this direction. You know, so we're trying to make sure that the direction that we sprint in is the direction we're supposed to be going. Especially when you're talking about, like, the business side. Like you said, you had three offers, and yeah. you were smart enough to turn them down. Yeah, I'm talking hundreds of thousands of dollars, and I'm just like, yeah, nah. That's going to be the driving point when you – decide to partner with a label like that you know like right. you're going to be getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars yeah but at the same time you're going to be doing whatever the hell they want you to do right exactly yeah so well, where's I, the passion in that exactly and i think that was the biggest thing man it's just like making sure that we have full control over like what gets said what gets put out because that's a, a minor entrepreneurial business so for me like just working underneath like set rules and stuff it's very difficult it's very difficult because I'm a radical. Like, the whole America's Got Talent thing, man. Like, I don't think I'm that great of a singer. I don't think I'm that great of a rapper. I'm very self-conscious about the music that I make. Um, mostly, I just like connecting with people. So that was my route. I was like, okay, I'm going to make something that, like, people can feel. But it was, dude, it was radical. Thinking, like, not only am I going to try and get on this show, but I need a golden buzzer in order to, like, set my life up or else, like, I've blown, you know, all these years, like, so if I approach a business or a company and I'm like, hey, I love the plan you guys have, but I'm trying to do 10 times more something that seems impossible, it's like there's a lot of people that'll like negate that and be like, nah, like that's, that's too much or that's not how the business works, you know? And uh, for me, that just doesn't sit well. Like I have to try and see like my visions come through, so. So hypothetically, not to put <laughs> negative thoughts into your mind. All right, go for but it. But if you went up there, did what you did, on America's Got Talent, and Simon Cowell was just like, hit the bricks, kid. Yeah. Like, we don't think you got any talent. Yeah. What would have happened next? What was your next move? I didn't have one. I did not have one. I, I didn't have, I take away all plan Bs uh, because it's like, okay, let's say you're on an airplane and the pilot tells you, the life of your dreams is right outside that window when you look to the right. And there's a parachute on the left and he tells you, go, jump. Well, if you've never jumped out of a plane before and you know the plane's about to land in 15 minutes, you're like, ah, I'm okay. Like, I'm going to ride this thing out. But if he hops on the intercom and he says, Jack, the plane's about to crash. The life of your dreams is out there to the right. Parachutes to your left. What are you going to do? 
Well, it's like, well, my plan B is gone. So I got to jump no matter how scary it is. And I got to scratch and pull at this thing until it works. And then before you know it, you pull it, it works. People are looking, oh, look how dope this guy is skydiving. They don't know it's your first time. But then you land in the life of your dreams because you took that leap. So for me, it's like, I don't know what I would have done. I mean, worst case scenario, you just continue doing what you're doing. Like, I'm sure in the moment that would have been a big blow. Yeah. Again, all hypothetical. The guy made it. He's yeah. a star. <laughs> He's got like 55,000 followers on Instagram. He's, he's doing all right for himself. But, you know, like hypothetically, you probably just would have went back to the drawing board. You would have found another yeah. way because it's yeah. what you love to do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, precisely. 85,000. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> so, so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's another thing, man. It's just like the not, the not giving up. I think the five years of like going back each time, I think was enough to just be like, okay, like no matter what happens, like the grit. Um, I don't know, man. Like a lot of people, a lot of people have the world like push back against them. And then it's just like, dang it, I tried. But like even this, for example, right? Like you said the whole statement where you're like, man, I hope this works. You know, it's like, dude, you're taking the steps and you're taking the risks that's already ahead of like most of the world. So I think this inevitably of just like showing up, doing what you think is right, even if you don't know, just showing up, that's that's what ends up getting you there. So Honestly, if Simon did, you know, come sideways and, you know, completely just, like, blew me off this stage, I think regardless, I would have still, like, dug deep and, like, found a way. Because a lot of people don't even know, on campus, uh, when I was working on music, I had dropped a song called Ring by Spring, and I came up with a marketing plan. I was like, I'm going to create little flyers. You're the guy that started that? Started what? Ring by Spring? Yeah, I have, yeah, the song The song that I made, Ring by Spring, is, you know, like, exa exactly, it's all about creating culture, right? So what I did is um, I created these little flyers that said, I'm so nervous to say this, but, like, I wrote this song for you, you know, and uh, here's, like, my social media and stuff where you, like, you could check me out and stuff, but let me know what you think of this song. And I mapped out how many doors were girl doors on campus from all the apartments and all the dorms. I printed out, like, over, like, 3,000 of those little flyers, and I t it took two days, like a total of like 42 hours, just nonstop of going to each door, waiting outside the doors for Because, you know, the guys, we can't like, you know, key fob into the girl's hallway and stuff. So I would have to wait for a girl to be either leaving or going into the hallway, somehow have the social skills to be like, hey, look, I'm not a creep. I'm just trying to, you know, get onto the floor to like see a friend or something and then sneak these notes under each door. I knew that there's like three to four girls in each room. So it would start the conversation. One girl would pick it up. Oh, my gosh, who was this for in here? Oh, my gosh, let's look, see who this is. Do you think it was for her? No, 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 this is probably for me. I think I saw him on campus, right? I was like, if I can get every girl's dorm to do this, the song will stream. Other than the song I did on America's Got Talent, it's my second most streamed song on all my platforms. And that's why I was able to grow, you know, like the, the following I had on campus. There was parts where at, like, I know people may not know, but like Agave or like Jerome, like the apartments that are set up where there's like a little like bridge between like you walk one way, there's like a bridge that like kind of has like an outdoor space and then you mm -hmm. go back into the hall. I was climbing on the side of the building because I didn't have to wait for someone to key fob if I just climbed off the side of the building onto the next floor. I was risking my life. 
So I think looking at stuff like that, it's like regardless, like I was very headstrong and th thinking to myself, like if I come up with a plan, like I have to execute no matter what it takes. So yeah, to answer the question of what would I do if Simon like blew me off the stage, I think I would have still kept just risking it all. I can't believe you were the ring by spring guy. Yeah. That's like a common phrase now on campus. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good to know. Sorry I sold you short 30,000 followers. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, be completely honest with me here. When okay. you were there, all those GCU people in the crowd, at least the people, you know, giving the lopes up, yeah. were, they, uh, were they put there or were people actually, like, in tune with what was going on and people came out to support you? No. No. Dude. People can say God ain't real. America's Got Talent films two weeks straight, 14 days. They film two shows a day, a 3 p.m. and a 7 p.m. Legally, I'm not allowed, right? So I probably just incriminated myself when I said I had this whole conversation with you. Well, nah, when, when I was talking to Brian Mueller and stuff, I told him I had an opportunity coming up that they might want to capitalize on, right? Right. Um, but I'm not legally allowed to tell people I'm going on America's Got Talent. I'm, the the non-disclosures are very tight. And I'm talking, you're talking $500,000 fines. You messed this thing up. Randomly, there's two days left in the filming. I'm on the second to last day of the filming. So I don't even know if there's a golden buzzer left because each judge only gets one. Randomly, Howie Mandel, production tells me he's been in a bad mood lately. He hasn't used his golden buzzer. Boom. Okay. So there's a golden buzzer left. I'm focused on trying to get that. I'm in the 3 p.m. show with two days left of filming. Randomly. Last minute, they tell me, hey, sorry to inform you, someone got hurt. We got to move the show around. You're now in the 7 o'clock show. Okay. Well, the crowd gets interchanged for each show. When I walk out on stage, I'm the second act of the 7 p.m. show. One golden buzzer left. I walk out there. It's during spring break at GCU. 20 to 30 students decided for spring break at GCU, they wanted to go watch America's Got Talent. And they ended up being in the crowd the same performance. I was supposed to be in the 3 o'clock show. Randomly, I get moved to the 7. They could have been sitting anywhere. They're seated right behind the judges. I step out on stage, and these, like, 30 students who decided to watch America's Got Talent for spring break all the way in California, not only were they there, but they recognized me. All of this is just happening. Boom, 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 boom. And it comes to the point where I recognize them, they recognize me. And that was the thing that I think mentally took me to where I needed to be to get the golden buzzer. Because I would do performances all the time. And they were all nonchalant, just casual. I'm just having fun with the students. When I saw them, I immediately felt like it was a GCU performance with an extra audience. So now I'm like, okay, I'm going to give the same performance I give to the students on campus. Because now my thought is no one was going to know I was here. But now I'm taking it personal because if I perform and, I, and it doesn't go the way it's supposed to, I know they're going to talk. They're not signing no NDAs. I can't talk when I go back. I'm like, I got to give them something to talk about. But I also have to live up to the standard that I've set myself with GCU students. Yeah. So it was all just completely God moving stuff, man. And it was like the weirdest thing. Oh, shit. That's. <laughs> I mean, seeing that would motivate just about anybody. Like, right. that probably puts you on a different gear. Dude. Go, like, if they weren't there, right. it would still, like, you'd still, right. you know, perform your ass off. And yeah. 
go for it. But after seeing that, now you have the confidence. Now you're locked in. Now you're in that comfort zone that you normally are in when you're in Phoenix. Yeah, every, everyone else didn't exist. Like, they have to cut out a lot of things on the show. There was a part where Gabrielle Union is literally like, hey, hey, excuse me. Hey, are you going to tell us your name? Because I'm, like, having conversations and, like, talking, like, with the students there because it's now just us. I'm overlooking the judges and everything. The rest of the audience, they're not there. They're like an extra piece. But it became a performance for them. Yeah. Dude, it was so crazy. What was it immediately after that like? So Howie Mandel gives you his golden buzzer. Yeah. What's like the week, two weeks following that? Oh, Did you go back to campus after that? Gosh, yeah. Yeah, so I graduated like a month after we filmed. And then it aired a month after I graduated. So the yeah. timing of it was perfect. Um, so I get the golden buzzer. I'm staring up at my family. And I'm like, man, like I want to see them right now. You know, like, um, and the moment I walk off stage, there's like cameras flashing. Like they have like a whole little like press group there. And it's like 20 people with cameras. Joseph over here, Joseph over here. Jo-. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. And Howie comes up, and he, like, just beats me on my chest. Boom. Looks me in the eyes. He's like, get used to it. This is your life now. And I'm like, what? He's like, smile here. Points over here. Smile here. And I'm like, what? And he just throws his arm around me, and we're just smiling. Boom, 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 boom. I was hungry because I couldn't eat beforehand. So I had, like, a cliff Bar, like, in my backpack. So they asked me, they're like, Joe, uh, this one person from production, I don't know any of these people, right? Moments earlier, it was pretty calm. But now, like, they have to pause the show because they have to sweep the confetti off the floor. Like, like, the whole production, boom, just, like, comes to a freeze. This person just randomly comes up to me, looks me in my face. Joseph, can you follow me? I need to take you to this room. Okay. I grab the cliff Bar. I start eating. I end up in this random room where it's, like, a whole lot of TV set up. And it's, like, a whole little set, a little mini set. And they're, like, okay, you said you come from Phoenix, right? I'm, like, yeah. And they hand me a script that's already been printed out, dude. And it's like on the script, it's like, hey, my name is Joseph Allen. Uh, make sure you tune in tonight on NBC Channel 9 uh, to watch my golden buzzer act, yada, yada, yada. All right, get it memorized. I get it memorized. I hand them the script. And I'm and like, the adrenaline is like down now. I'm like, honestly, like crashing right now. I'm like crashing, but I have to, me and my friends on set, we came up with the word um, uh, like fabricate, where you have to like literally fabricate, fabricate your personality as to what you know like people are used to even if you're not there right now mm-hmm. because it'll it'll honestly throw people off if I'm like hey what's up my name is Joseph Allen you know tune in tonight like it's like that's not who they expect but that's how I'm feeling so they're like all right ready and I'm hey what's up guys my name is Joseph Allen make sure and I'm boom I'm hitting that then he hands me another script I'm like okay I look at it it's the same thing, but it's like tune in tomorrow night. So I'm getting sound bites now. And I'm like, hey, what's up, guys? My name is Joseph Allen. Make sure you tune in tomorrow night. And then someone else comes into the room. Joseph, come with me. Now we go down into a basement. We go down into a basement. And as we're going down into the basement, I'm passing by Simon. He's like leaning up against the wall with one leg on the wall, a cigarette in one hand and a Corona in another. And I'm like, whoa, like, it makes sense, though. He does look like, you know, type to like, you know, smoke, drink a Corona. Like, but all you see, like fabricating him being who Simon Cowell is on television. Yep. 
and he passes by and he just like he uh he like gives me a hug and he's like yo that was a great job out there and i'm like all right cool thanks and like boom we're working like he knows i have work to do he has work he has to prepare to go back to being a judge right because after the confetti falls there's still other contestants who have to go so he's preparing for his thing i'm on my way to my thing i go down into a basement when i go down into the basement there's a whole new uh, studio set up all right joseph let's get you to say swipe up right now to see my golden buzzer act all right cool Hey, guys, swipe up right now. And I'm just fabricating, fabricating. And I'm exhausted, starving, haven't got to see my family. So now someone else pulls me. Hey, Joseph, can you come here? And at this point, I'm like, where's my mom? Where's, like, I just got a golden buzzer an hour ago, and I haven't seen my family yet. You know, so at this point, I'm like, I just want to see them. So now I kind of start getting a little passive with production. I'm like, I'm going to give you all what you want. But just let me see my family really quick, you know? And, like, they're uh, not your family anymore. Right. This is your family. Anymore. Yeah, dude. No, almost, man. Almost. And uh, long story made short, to spare, like, the little details, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. I performed in the 7 o'clock show. It's the second act. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm just now leaving the venue. My family is already on the road because they couldn't wait, you know, and all this other stuff. So we got our little moment when production brought him. I got to hug him and stuff. And it was like a literally, okay, Joseph, we need you to come here now. So it wasn't even like I got to really soak it in. But it's 2 o'clock. The GCU students stayed. So they're waiting outside the venue for me to come outside. They, like, prayed for me, all this, yeah. you know, GCU oh, yeah. stuff. And, uh, and when I step out there, dude, I take, a, I take a picture with one of them, and I, like, put my hands in my pockets. I have half a cliff Bar in my pocket with no wrapper. It was one of those white chocolate macadamia ones, the chocolate that melted in my pocket. Yeah, and stuff. not anymore. Yeah, I had been bouncing around so much that I didn't even get to finish the cliff bar, and I thought I had finished it a while ago. It was like from that moment forward, and then I wake up the next day, Billboard, USA Today, People Magazine, all this stuff. Like it was the trending topic for the day. So now it's like I'm scrolling through all this stuff, but now Twitter, oh, this person's following me. Oh, this person, this person said this. this so, and then every person from, like, middle school, high school, elementary school who had my number, they're texting me. They're calling me. So it's like there was never a moment. I remember for the first, like, three days after it aired on television because it kind of slowed down for me a little bit after the filming of the show. I come back and, like, production's calling me, letting me know, hey, look, this this magazine wants to do an interview or this or this uh, podcast wants to do this, 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 this. And I'm bouncing around and I'm doing all that stuff. But it's very lenient because, like, only some of the media knows, right, the ones who have access. But after it aired, like, three days in a row, I was just waking up randomly where my body shut down. Like, fully clothed, man. Like, no, no remembrance of, like, going to sleep because of how much I was, like, paying. Like, my mom, for example... She's excited. Her son just, like, got a boot, a crazy boost in popularity. So, of course, she has friends that she wants to call. She has friends she wants me to talk to. Hey, do you remember this aunt? Do you remember this uncle? You need to talk to them. And I'm trying to handle that. My dad, he has friends that he wants me to talk to, right? Because as parents, you know, you're, you're talking about your kids. Oh, my kid's going to do this. He's going to do that. Now it's like you want that moment of, like, look, look, this is my kid. Embrace it. So I'm trying to do all of that while Twitter is doing its thing, while Instagram is doing its thing. I'm trying to keep up. What are people saying right now? Oh, am I engaging with the fans? Oh, we're driving 30 minutes to go see who? We're like, dude, it was crazy. 
So I have a visual that we'll put up. Let, let's put up that video, Hank, of basically when his life changed. Now, I'll let you do live commentary. I don't think we have the audio for it, but it's the video of um, Howie Mandel, again, changing your life. So here's you after, after you did your thing. Everybody's judging you. Everybody's saying how <laughs> good of a job you were doing. What were you feeling in this moment? Um, I'm thinking to myself, like, dude, I think I got it. Because they said Howie was in a bad mood. So when, once he did that, bro, almost passed out. Now he's on yeah, the look, set. Look, that's when you look, know. Look, look at you. Yes, that's yes, true emotion right there. Yes. And I can't hear a thing he's saying. At home, he's mic'd up, so you can hear him. But I just hear the crowd screaming, and this man standing on set. And right there, I'm like, no way. My plan worked. And right there, I almost passed out. I almost passed out right there. You can see me kind of stumble a little bit. Had to catch myself. Almost passed out at that moment. Greatest moment of your life? So far. Heck yeah. I don't think your girlfriend's listening to this right now. If she is, yeah. <laughs> who cares? Up <laughs> oh and here's a promise fulfilled. Uh -huh. We saw the video at the beginning of the episode. Yeah, and at that moment, wow. see, like I said, they cut out a lot. There was a moment where I literally stand up, like from from like having my hands on my knees, and I point at Terry, and I'm like, "You know what you're supposed to do. You know what you're supposed to do." And then he looks at production, like, "Is it all right?" And then he just runs out there, man. Terry Crews actually like lets me come over to his house and stuff now. What? Man. Yeah, it's crazy. What do you do with Terry Crews? Uh, we cry in his living room. No shot. Yeah, we talk. We talk. <laughs> we talk about how deep life is, and we cry about it. <laughs> oh my god. It's dope, man. It's dope. Like he's one of the people where, like, during holidays and stuff, he gets the like, "Yo, Merry Christmas." Yeah. You know, how's life? That I understand. Family? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's dope, man. Terry, wow. Cruz, Terry Cruz, man. Is he as chiseled in person as he is in he's, real life? He's way, he's, it's way more intense in person than what it looks oh, like. Oh, yeah. yeah that, that's what I, like, I've met a few, like, pro wrestlers in person that yeah. I see on TV, and I think in person, I'm like, doesn't ten make, times yeah, bigger yeah. than what I thought you Does, actually were. Doesn't make any sense, man. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm going to actually send this little snippet to Terry. <laughs> it's good. Let's get him on the show. Yeah, heck yeah. I, I'd like to get both of you in here and see if I can make both of you cry. Yeah. <laughs> good luck, man. We do it. Nah, it wouldn't be hard. We do it pretty easy. So let, let's go all the way back now. Okay. You grew up in Texas, right? Yeah. This was the goal since the beginning. What inspired this? This is probably like a beginning of interview question, but I'm wrapping my way back around here. Yeah, no, I, I raced motocross growing up, and like that was oh, my wow. focus. Is I'm like Joseph Allen, the motocross racer, and um, when I go to college, my mom she doesn't let me bring my dirt bike, you know, because I have like nine screws in my body. I've like broken like a lot of bones, man. And my mom was like, "You're not gonna focus on your schooling if you have your bike out there, because you're gonna chase this whole like professional motocross thing." Um, and she also didn't want me to like end up like hurting myself really bad, you know, being so far away from home in Texas, like a 15 hour drive. So I had like an identity crisis when I got out to GCU and what I was missing, missing was like that thrill and that rush of like putting your life on the line, but like coming out alive, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think I was just looking for a thrill. And I think the biggest thrill I could find was like, I wrote a song my freshman year called Triple Two at Canyon Hall, where it was just like a song like about campus. And I was like, if I perform this, like, will people like it? Or like, will they laugh? Will they like feel the emotions I want them to feel? And I felt that same feeling of like throwing myself out there, you know, and ready to either succeed and have that rush of like, I threw myself at it and it worked the same way I would throw myself at a motocross jump if it's like 100 feet. There has to be that moment where you say, I'm going to commit to this, and it's either going to break my bones or I'm going to come out alive. 
and I'm going to know, okay, this is something I could do every lap. Yeah. So that feeling of throwing myself out there, the students are either going to eat me alive for trying something that's completely unique or they're going to love it and I'm going to come out alive. And after I performed the song, they loved it and people started approaching me and they were like, hey, like, where can I find the song? And I was so confused. Like, what do you mean where can you find it? I just performed it for you. You just saw it. You just found it, you know? And they're like, no, like Spotify, SoundCloud, like where is it? Was, that opened up your mind to something else, Yep, right? because all of a sudden, all I thought was, hey, my girlfriend just made it in. All I thought was... Oh, I'm glad she didn't get lost. Yeah. My directions... <laughs> so, like, before we started, I actually... You took a video of me actually explaining where to find this place. Because yeah, even me, the first time I tried to find this place, got lost three times over. Yeah, she responded. She said, that was some very difficult directions. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, but she found it, so, yeah. you know, not too difficult. It wasn't too bad. <laughs> it was not too bad. So you were an athlete before. Yeah, and I was just looking for that thrill, and that's what opened my mind when the students were like, yo, where can I find it? Immediately, my thought was very simple. I was like, if I put music out, they would listen. So wow. then I had to teach myself how to mix, master, engineer music, and I didn't go to school. This, that summer, my freshman year when I left, I, uh, I got a job at Discount Tire, I worked open the clothes all summer, saved up like $5,000 and built my own recording studio that was like mobile, something I could take to GCU. I came back to campus after working open to close. Every single day I came back to campus with only $20 to my name. 20 bucks, but I didn't do no vacations. I didn't do anything that was fun. I get back and the first two months of school, I had it down. I was like, month one, welcome to class. Here's what we're doing in this class. Month two, dive a little deeper into class. I'm like, I could play catch up if I miss the first two months. So I taught myself how to engineer music, how to produce music. And in the first two months of school, I didn't leave my room. Almost lost relationships with my friends because like, the only time I would see them is when they were dropping off food for me. And I wouldn't even leave the room to, to go get food because my thought was if I step away, I'm gonna forget. I'm gonna forget what I just learned. And I was like, I can't, like, this has to work. And within the first two months of school, I taught myself how to play piano, got a 10-song album produced and recorded, mixed, engineered, everything. I took it to the studio on campus and uh, had the sound engineers, like, listen to it, give it, like, a final touch-up. And after that, put it out into the world. And that's when I was like, okay, I'm no longer Joseph Allen, the motocross racer. I'm Joseph Allen, the musician now, the artist. So something interesting you said there about, you know, obviously when you put in the work for whatever you want to do, I, I've had the same experiences where like you're hanging out with your friends less. Yeah. Uh, there's times where like you just, you don't have the same connection with them sometimes because you're just not as part of their lives as you used right. to be. Yeah. How is that now given everything that you got to do, the following that you have, like your life's obviously different than it was two, three years ago. Yeah. What's that like when A it comes to old friends? Different. Uh, I think it just comes down to balance, man. Uh, I still try and make time for uh, a lot of my old friends. Some of them, you know, they go off and, you know, you just find yourselves doing different things in life. Like, for example, one of my best friends, his name's Anthony. Like, he's in Colombia now doing, like, mission work and things like that. And we used to spend, like, every day together. Uh, so in situations like that, it's like, okay, like, you guys have naturally, you know, like, gravitated to, like, different, like, parts of your lives, different, like, um, stages in, like, where you're at. Um, and then there's some friends where it's like, okay, like we're in the same area. Let me at least try and make a day to where we can catch up. 
you know, or things like that. But I think the biggest thing is just like work-life balance, man. And that's why I say like it, I don't work good under like people like telling me, you know, how I'm supposed to like move and control things because mm-hmm. um, because of how radical my ideas are. I think having that balance is like very crucial, very important. Everything down to like um, understanding like if I can even include friends in some of the work sometimes. So that way it's, like, not fully work, but, like, you know, it's just finding those That's things. That's fun. That kind of gives them something to look forward to yeah. as well, to kind of, like, do something together. Yeah. Remain, like, have that chemistry. For be able sure. to show them what you do and at the same time kind of give them the benefit of the doubt of seeing what you do live yeah. up front. Yeah, for sure, man. I think, I think just having the right people to lean on I think yeah. is very important. Um, I don't, I never had to lean as much as I have now, you know? So shout out to my girlfriend as well, man. She's like super, uh, she doesn't know it, but she plays like a real big part. And, uh, like, you know, just having someone where it's like when things get hard, you know, you got like the right people in your corner. So I think that's the only adjustment that I really made after the fact was just understanding like, okay, like I have friends I can talk with and hang out with, but then I also have a a collect few that I think with. And that's where it's, like, coming up with the big plans and, like, where do I see myself years from now? You know, like, just realizing who I'm able to think with and uh, just having the balance for that. That's the important thing, surrounding yourself with good people that you know you can trust, that you know that are loyal. Yeah. When did – this was 2019, Golden Buzzer? Yeah. 2018? June 4th will make it two years. So you got hit with COVID right after that then? Yes, bro. So what did that do to everything? Because, again, you're at, like, the height of your life, the height of your career, and yeah. then COVID. I mean, granted, it shut everything down, so yeah. you were in the same boat as everybody. Yeah. But that had to be hard, being home. I mean, you can record at home, but it's not the same as performing in front of live people where you you generate, like, off their vibes, off those positive vibes when exactly. you're on stage. Exactly, man. I just, I just got done returning to stages, um, like, a month ago. I did, like, a Florida tour. Um, and that was the plan for 2020 was to tour, was to tour and just go all over the country. And that's how a lot of musicians actually make their living is from going on the stages. And I didn't get to capitalize on that because of COVID. Um, but I think that was like just the biggest hit was not being able to tour, but because I like in-house all of my music, like I was able to just focus on, like, trying to get better at my craft in terms of mixing or songwriting, things like that. So um, all in all, I think the biggest hit I took was not being able to do live shows. But I had cool opportunities come about. I, uh, I got a chance to do another television show, an MTV show called The Challenge. Right. And um, that was a cool experience that's helped me grow in understanding, like, where I sit, like, in the TV world, like, in that space and stuff. So, um yeah, I think biggest hit was just not being able to do live shows. So how did MTV go? Dude, it was crazy, man. We went all the way out to Iceland. We went out Iceland. to Iceland. Yes, dude. Yeah, we went out to Iceland. Uh, I got to make like lifelong friends, man. Cool people, and it was an experience that like I wasn't expecting. I was like the youngest guy in the house, uh, so I got to really like study and like watch and like see people who like been doing this television thing for a while, and just seeing like what their thoughts are or any advice they have. So, dude, I loved it. I loved it. And, you know, you might be seeing me on there soon. Again. Interesting. Yeah. Kind of a shameless plug there. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you got going on moving forward when it comes to, again, going on tour, going to different cities, performing finally in front of live people? Yeah. So what do you got going on now? 
so right now, the main focus is just uh, increasing the content creation. Yep. Uh, one of the things I'm really focusing on is visual storytelling and my music. Uh, I got a whole plan that I'm trying to put together. But by the year 2030, when people look back at this decade, I want to be up there as the top, the guy who brought the best visual storytelling in terms of content and some of the best music the world's ever heard. You know, I want to make people feel something. So um, I wasn't capping when I was on the show, and I said I want to leave a footprint, you know, see how big of one I can leave before I leave. And uh, right now, that's the focus right now, is figuring out how do we execute that in a timely manner, but also at the best manner. Because there really is a difference, you know, between people who are good at something and people who are great, and then the people who are legendary, right? And um, like I said, I can really, I can really... Uh, admire the thought process of like Michael Jordan and the type of pressure he puts on himself and things like that. And I think I am at a stage in life now where I really want to see if I'm able to separate and create like a uh, a lane that is higher than I've pushed before. So that goes on the whole personal pressure thing where I don't think that I've reached like my full capability of who I was made to be. So I think that's my focus moving forward is like seeing really what does the highest level of Joseph yeah. Allen look like? You know what I mean? Dude, that that type of mentality always fires me up because, like, you're doing all of this stuff. Some people would be very, just be, like, nonchalant about it, be like, man, I finally made it, and then they right. sit back and they just watch it. Yeah. You, you have other things going on in your mind. You have different goals, different yeah. plans, different dreams, you yeah. know, all maybe inside the music world, maybe some out. You're, you're trying to not only expand your brand, but expand your knowledge on things when it comes right. to content creation and things that you probably didn't think you'd be doing three years ago. Yeah, exactly. I mean, honestly, like in my head, like the golden buzzer, like I don't even think about it. Like it's like it's honestly something that like I don't my body doesn't allow me to claim it pretty much because it doesn't want to get comfortable. I don't want to sit there and be like, ah, yeah, and then take a deep breath you did it. You know what I mean? Now, for me, it was like I showed people what I was capable of, and now I expect that they expect that out of me every time. Yeah. So because of that, it's like, dude, you can't slow down because now you've shown who you are. You told on yourself. You showed that this is what you're capable of when you really put your mind to it. So if we're watching you now and you're not hitting that level, then it's clear that you're holding back or you're comfortable. And then it makes it just look like you really don't want to eat. You don't want it. You don't want it. And that's the last thing I want to do is look in the mirror and think to myself, ah, kid, you don't want it. I want to know, like, okay, that's where we were then. How much further can we go now? So I think that's where I'm putting a lot of focus at right now. Well, you got your stuff together. You got the mentality for it. You obviously got the support. Yeah. 80 plus thousand followers yeah. <laughs> on social media. Got it right that time. Uh, I mean, you're inspiring a ton of people, not only GCU, but around the, the globe now. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad you took the time. You're kind enough to yeah, come and sit you, down dude. with me. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're just one of the dudes. So I yeah. appreciate you coming in, man. This was probably one of my favorite interviews yet. No, that's awesome. This was awesome. Yeah, and this was episode uh, 363 of the podcast. I do want to give a quick uh, shout-out to our sponsor at Mayweather Boxing and Fitness. You you partnered with them, right? Yeah, yeah, out in L.A. That's actually where I learned all my boxing skills. So, yeah, definitely Uh, a big shout-out. I didn't know they were out here in uh, Scottsdale. You said they opened up soon, Yeah, so they're opening up in July. Mayweather Boxing and Fitness is an inclusive, high-intensity fitness experience developed by the champ himself, Floyd Money Mayweather, taking on Logan Paul. Yeah. This sun- I think it's Sunday night yeah, in yeah. Miami at uh, Hard Rock Stadium. 
formulated with the perfect combination of boxing strength and cardio conditioning intervals designed to make you look good, feel good, and leave with more than just a great sweat. The best group boxing workout in the market over at Mayweather Boxing and Fitness. Again, Joseph, thanks so much for coming on the show. This was episode 363 of The O Show. Thanks for watching. You're... <laughs> Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.